Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, a podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs. August 1st, 2023 marks the 75th anniversary of OSI's inception, and throughout the year, the command is commemorating the occasion based on the theme, Inspired by Our Past, OSI's future starts today. And with me to discuss how the second field investigations region fits into that scenario is Region 2 Commander Colonel Tara Lenardi, Vice Commander Colonel Emily Jibo, and Senior Enlisted Leader Chief Master Sergeant Jason Stambaugh. Folks, welcome aboard to the program. Great to have you all with us today. Thanks, Thanks Wayne. Colonel Lenardi, I'd like to begin with you, if I may. Uh, Region 2 was created back in June of 1992. Uh, how did that activation come to fruition and uh, Region 2 became Region 2? Hey, so uh, so first I, I want to I just want to say that we appreciate you indulging us to do this a little differently than you normally do. We think um, the command team approach here will kind of help uh, well since we represent, like you said, kind of re Region 2's past, present, and future pretty sure. well. Colonel Jibo sure. served here on my on, on uh, Region 2 staff many moons ago, and I joined uh, the team fresh from teaching at NDU in 2020, right in the middle of COVID. And Chief is our newest team member, uh, straight from serving as the senior and leader at 512. So um, with that, just thank you very much for this time. No and problem, man. It gives us a good uh, cross-section of perspectives, though, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to answer your question, so yes, so Region 2 was, was uh, created in 1992. You, you, um, we went way, way in the way, way back machine for this one. Frankly, I was a junior <laughs> in high school. Wow. Um, so I, and I don't, honestly, I don't think Chief was born yet, so. <laughs> oh, I'm wounded, ma'am. I'm wounded. <laughs> But in 1992, OSI moved from kind of the district district structure to align along the major commands. So OSI Region 2, um, you know, stood up when ACC stood up in 1992. To this day, the combat air forces, uh, as, a, as a combat air forces lead, ACC serves as that primary provider for the air combat forces to America's mm -hmm. warfighting commanders. Mm -hmm. um, it looks a lot different today than it did then since its activation in, in 92 uh, let's see, ACC has returned its ICBMs and bombers to then Strategic Air Command, and right. that's, that's now known as the Air Force Global Strike Command. Mm -hmm. um, ACC has, has gained the combat you know, rescue mission and overseas um, extensive intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance force, and then also 16th Air Force Cyber Forces. Right. So starting in, starting in the 1990s, OSI kind of followed ACC's lead also with organizing how we're deploying forces in line with that air expeditionary forces concept, that AEF concept, that right. primary method that, that the Air Force uses to deploy its forces around the globe, uh, you know, through peacekeeping in the Balkans, um, counterterrorism efforts in Africa, and most especially you know, in long-term uh, operations in Southwest Asia since 2001. Sure. Um, so throughout this time, I mean, sweeping changes in our nation's military policy have kind of forced ACC to not only, um, you know, force some, some structure reductions, but also, you know, a requirement for much greater flexibility than ever before. And they remain kind of on call to perform a variety of missions, um, including, like I said, um, you know, peacekeeping humanitarian needs and protection of our na nation's interests around the globe. As OSI ACC, though, we're right alongside them, helping to right. keep airfields green and preserve airman lethality. 
Very well said, ma'am. Now, uh, turning to you, Colonel Jibo, uh, uh, as the vice commander, uh, as the, the regional headquarters for all OSI units conducting criminal investigations, counterintelligence activities, and specialized investigative and counter threat support for five commands and two numbered air forces, what challenge or challenges does that diverse responsibility present for the folks of Region 2? Yeah, so, um, and boss, please jump in if you want to you want to add your perspective because uh, you're living this day to day. Um, <laughs> so obviously our size is a massive challenge, right? We're the OSI's largest region and we have teams geographically separated all over the world uh, to include OSI's only forward deployed warfighting squadron. Um, and so that means we have deployers lives in our hands in addition to our agents who are doing the job day to day in the continental United States. And so as our deployers deploy in and out of theater from their respective OSI home regions, we have to be very mindful of um, the responsibility that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. And as we're seeing, younger and younger, more unseasoned leaders are now deploying into both GCC units and EDETs, which presents uh, increased challenge for our team here in Region 2. And um, it goes without saying that things that happen in the deployed area and in ACC in general tend to get a lot of visibility due to the combat air mission. Uh, there are a lot of people asking lots of very important and pertinent questions when things happen in the Region 2 AOR, uh, which constantly keeps us on our toes. Right. Ma'am, right. did you want to speak to the uh, CAFRGEN and lead wing? Yeah, so another challenge I would add to what Colonel Jibo said is just keeping up with ACC. It tends to really lean forward, um, like we're seeing now with CAFRGEN um, you know, construct and the AC ACE lead wing concept. OSI as a command is still kind of thinking through what this means for how we're going to deploy our forces and um, and what this means for support supporting in garrison uh, missions. But as it leans forward, we kind of have taken a cue uh, in region two, because one of the things we love about ACC is how it leverages uh, and rewards diversity of thought through efforts like Sword Athena and Spark Tank initiatives. So from these, we've kind of initiated efforts like the Iceberg um, which focuses on air, saving airmen's time and chasing efficiency and our own, uh, you know, region two innovation award. Um, I, I would, I would add that a third challenge is that we have a lot of inex uh, inexperienced talent. It's not like my first, my first uh, time in, in, uh, you know, in OSI back in the day, I was taught by a superintendent with, with a ton of experience, very seasoned senior NCO, and I had three assignments um, and was a senior captain before I committed my first OSI debt. Today, our leaders, you know, many of them are in their first leadership jobs much earlier in their careers and leading mostly rookies. Right, right. Um, well, it, certainly give, it certainly gives Region 2 a fresh perspective with, uh, with, the, new, with the new faces, I would imagine, ma'am. Right, right. No, absolutely. And the last challenge, I would say, you know, with our vast, you know, AOR, it's difficult to get out and travel around to engage, you know, our many strategic partners as often as we like. So by, I mean, by the time, you know, I rotate and, and you know, 24th, 24th EFIS commander rotates out, we're going to be lucky to meet with counterparts more than maybe one or two times. So mm -hmm. our force protection detachments are just absolutely critical um, to, to maintaining those crucial ties in the midst of leaders cycling through. Right, right. Yeah, it certainly sounds like, uh, you know, Region 2 is continually burning and turning to make things happen mission-wise uh, for the command. Uh, Chief Stanbaugh, I'd like to bring you in now, if I could, please, sir. Uh, sure. With Region 2 headquarters at Joint Base Langley Eustis uh, in Virginia, its geographical jurisdiction spans 28 field locations in the continental United States and overseas. 
What's been Region 2's key to successfully operating with such a wide footprint as that? It is a wide footprint, and actually, it's uh, 32 units. We ah, okay. Globally. Like I said, like I said, Region Two is burning and turning. That's for sure. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you add in the expeditionary and force protection detachments, it comes to a grand total of 32. So we appreciate the update. That's good. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, it really comes down to open and clear communication and cooperation, both throughout the region and with our partners. Mm-hmm. Also, well-established processes and a keen eye towards uh, continuous improvement. Um, what that looks like internally is close collaboration with our major command partners, numbered Air Force airmen, um, interagency colleagues, local and foreign counterparts, uh, all to work towards a common goal. Um, internally, that would encompass you know, a culture of trust and psychological safety. We solicit and share feedback very often, up, down, side to side. Mm-hmm. To us, every voice matters and counts. Um, I see. We value and leverage our diverse talent. Um, we trust our airmen to understand commander's intent, make risk-informed decisions at the lowest levels. Uh, we also emphasize peer collaboration between commanders, uh, senior enlisted leaders, um, to lift all boats, so to speak. Sure. And sure. and leveraging the impressive experience of our total force airmen, our IMAs, as mm-hmm. pinch hitters when we need them. Um, and, and you know, word travels fast, Mr. Amon. Folks know there's something <laughs> in the water, something different about the magic happening in Region 2, and they want to be a part of it. So Very, very good. Well well said. Well said, Chief. Uh, Colonel Inardi, uh, Put on your, your uh, history hat, if you would, for, for a couple of seconds here. Uh, what are some of the mission milestones that uh, Region 2 can reflect on that have defined its legacy? I know there have been many, but uh, uh, are there a couple that uh, kind of stand out for you? Uh, yes, no, most definitely. I'm going to kick this over to Colonel Jibo, though, because she's been here, uh, you know, both as, as vice commander now and then was previously a staff officer um, here on Region 2, on the Region 2 team. Sure, sure. Okay. Colonel Jibo. Thanks, ma'am. I was also a deck commander at 217. So um, I have a lot of region two stink on me, a lot of time <laughs> under my belt, and it's all been really informative and really positive um, and life-changing. So, so obviously we've been in the thick of things uh, really since the, the inception of region two. We've supported countless contingencies throughout the Middle East, such as Desert Storm, Southern Watch, Vigilance Sentinel, Desert Strike, Desert Thunder, one and two. Um, Desert Fox and Operation Vigilant Warrior, just to name a few. And um, really since 2001, we have been the lead in supporting Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. And then in 2003, Operation Southern Watch, which later gave way to Operation Iraqi Freedom and is now known as Operation Inherent Resolve. So we have some really lengthy ties there in the Middle East. Um, One of our most recent milestones that wasn't just a region two ism. I mean, it really touched so many regions, all the regions really across the command, but where it really got its start was operations allies refuge. Um, when our Afghanistan partners and that NEO, the largest uh, NEO in history that was supported by LUD and our other GCC units, where our teams screened over 117,000 people and denied at least 35 people with terror ties um, from entering the United States. It was a massive, massive undertaking, one that wasn't um, initially on DOD's shoulders, and, but our teams more than rose to the challenge. They did some remarkable things out there with very limited resources. Um, they made it happen, and as such, they were 
they were uh, awarded the Humanitarian Service Medal for their efforts, so uh-huh. which uh, was very deserving. They, they put in so much work and truly were just incredible, incredible during that time frame. Yeah, no doubt that no doubt that, uh, ma'am, that uh, Region 2 was definitely on the world stage at that time. No doubt about that. No doubt. Um, but, you know, I think it's extremely important. We all think it's extremely important um, when we're talking about these mission milestones that we honor our fallen, mm-hmm. many of whom were killed in action in AFSENSE AOR. And in fact, at 24th uh, EFIS field office at LUD Air Base in Qatar, there's a memorial wall. And like many across our command units, there are frames. Um, that frame the pictures of our fallen, both our fallen uh, agents and our national guardsmen, our civilians, our administrators, our defenders. Right. Um, but what's unique at uh, LUD there is that those frames uh, come from Kandahar Airfield, which is no longer in existence. We no longer have an airbase there, but those frames actually come from Kandahar. And so there are 16 faces in those frames, um, uh-huh. you know, starting with um, agents Hitchcock and Round, who in 1967 and 1970 respectively gave their lives in support of the Pacific air forces command mission. Right. And then the 14 others that served their final days in support of absence theater of operations. Um, those names include agents, Albright, Kohlmeyer, Balmer, Kublik, Crowell, Schultheis, Viger, uh, master Sergeant Brown, Staff Sergeant Bonacasa, agents, Cinco, um, Sergeant Lem, Agent McBride, Agent Taub, and Agent Vorderbergen. Um, all of those people were survived by children and spouses, parents, siblings, and friends. Right. Will always be remembered by their OSI family. And, you know, our command is small, as you well know, uh, but their stories represent a piece of each of us. And they have absolutely defined Region 2's legacy as well as OSI's legacy. Yes. Now that that ties in perfectly to my next uh, question, uh, Colonel Gibo. Uh, so thank you for providing that uh, uh, that uh, transition. Uh, who have been some of the significant contributors to Region Two success through the years? Obviously, you just named uh, a, a litany of, of the fallen and and so on and so forth. Uh, but there, well, there are some some other ones that maybe have stood out that uh, have uh, uh, really. Um, in your view, perhaps, or maybe Colonel Lenardi's view, have uh, stood up, uh, I should say, have stand out uh, for Region 2 over the years? Yeah, so, um, and the team will jump in because there are so many, right? Um, I won't remember everybody, but um, I think it's interesting that so many uh, current and past OSI commanders have cycled through as the Region 2 commander, Mm -hmm. uh, commanders such as General Taylor, General Simmons, General Jacobson, and currently General Bullard. Uh, There's some you said about the water of region two, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. Region two. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't point out, I think the obvious, which is um, currently we have region two's first female commander and vice commander. Mm-hmm. Um, that hasn't happened before in, in region two. So I think that's pretty impressive. And also we have uh, the first uh, SEL that was not in region two anyways, that was not a proven wing SEL in the past. So previously you had to be a proven SEL at another region before you could take the region two slot. Right, ma'am, um, for, ma'am for our novice listeners, of course, SEL stands for senior enlisted uh, leader. Thank you so much, yes. Sure. And uh, Chief Stambaugh broke the mold and is continuing to break the mold as he is incredibly impressive, um, coming stri- straight from Debt 512 in, German- in England. And now, um, serving as our senior enlisted leader here at the region. It's been incredible. 
there are several others. Um, Chief, if you want to jump in, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Matt Seitz, who is an institution in and of himself. Um, <laughs> he, he's a pillar and he really serves as our continuity, not just for Region 2, but for OSI at large. He's, he's uh, quite the man and his brain is impressive with all of the knowledge he holds. In fact, Mr. Amon, I really do think you should give him his own uh, episode on this podcast because, man, he has some stories to share. I'll, I'll, def, I'll definitely take it's that okay. under advisement. Thank you for the uh, heads up on that. Uh, Chief, uh, uh, while it's been kind of handed off to you by uh, Colonel Jibo, uh, and we're talking about people, um, I, I did want to get into this, if I could, uh, if, I, if I may, sir. Since March of uh, 2020, COVID-19 has been a concern for the command, like it has been for pretty much everyone in the, in the planet. Uh, how has the resiliency of Region 2 personnel manifested itself while navigating through the pandemic and still uh, doing the mission at such a, a high, uh, high benchmark? Uh, well, not to dodge the question, sir. I do appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but having just got here in March, I'm going to, if, if boss, if you're okay with it, I'm going to kick this to you sure, uh, since you sure. were here during that time and, and can speak a little more eloquently to that. Ma'am, what yeah, do you think? No, yeah, no, of course. So, um, so when, Wayne, I, I think OSI wing leaders were actually more prepared for COVID's impact with regards to distancing because we operate day-to-day -day geographically separated from our field units anyway. It's not like a typical wing or Delta commander, you know, they can walk out of their wing headquarters door, jump in the GOV and drive or even walk over to, right, you know, right. such, such and such unit and connect with their airmen, check mm -hmm. on folks, ensure that those safety precautions, you know, are in place and essential missions are getting done. But uh, I think overall, I mean, it, it's important to point out that OSI agents, you know, can't can't refuse a case, right? So, it, you right. know, we have victims and 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 um, justice to preserve there. We don't have the option to not go to a crime scene or preserve crucial evidence or refuse to do, you know, crucial interviews. We're forced mm -hmm. to empower our field leaders to make those uh, those calls on the ground based off of local conditions. And quite honestly, COVID kind of forced us to to do this um, a lot more than we had in the past. Um, right. There wasn't, um, you know, if you recall, the orders kind of coming down from, from General Bullard at the time, you know, he couldn't get all the way down to the tactical level. He had to empower, we all had to empower the, our leaders at the local level to, to make tough calls based off of local conditions. And they had to right. preserve their bench depth, right? You can't, sure. you can't, OSI can't afford an entire detachment to be in quarantine. We need um, agents to be able to respond. So, yeah. Overall, I would say, you know, we it helped that uh, that we were very connected from the beginning. Um, we were concerned about loneliness, especially for our single folks who rely on their debt teammates and fellow staffers, um, you know, here at Region 2. We emphasize kind of you're not alone in our messaging and encourage folks to, to reach out, right. trying to trying to desensitize that stigma that it's, you know, weak to ask for help. It actually takes courage. We encouraged imaginative DO300 events and, um leveraged our resiliency experts at headquarters on many occasions and continue to do so to this day, both in garrison and deployed, which has been right. hugely helpful. Sure, um, sure. In addition, we did, we did uh, virtual debt visits. Uh, I took command in July of 2020 and in September of 2020, uh, we started, um, like I said, virtual debt visits, but also this leadership monthly leadership connection with our field commanders and SACs to kind of just carve out space for us to connect with one another virtually and discuss you know, what's on our minds, challenges, lessons learned from failures and mistakes, um, and just, you know, have this, this connection time with each other. The last thing I would say um, is that our work-life boundaries uh, both challenged us and helped us through COVID. And we try mm -hmm. to set that example by, 
by not emailing or calling with an expectation of a response during non-duty hours. Because if, if right. you recall, like when you're teleworking, it's difficult to find the end of your day. There's no right. closing right. up the office or like driving home, you know, to put your mind in that space. I'm done for the day. So right. we try right. to we try to kind of advertise, um, even in our in our out of office messages. Um, and Chief started this uh, last year, and we loved it so much. Many of us in Region Two do it now. We're letting folks know we're not available because we're on leave with family, or we're in a professional development course, or we're hiking in the mountains. Kind right. of set that example. Right. Right. Very well said, ma'am. Uh, while we uh, get into the home stretch of our program here, uh, I'd like to throw out something for all three of you. Uh, if you could put on your, uh, or actually bring out your crystal ball a little bit. How would you characterize the future of Region 2? What's what's on the horizon, do you think, for the region? I, I think the, I think it's exciting, super <laughs> exciting. In a um, word, it's exciting. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're, we're kind of forced to be more agile. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we'll continue to do, you know, long after, um, you know, the three of us leave. I think that we've built we're, we're building a culture to accelerate change and stay relevant uh, to empower our talent and our staff um, and field leaders. Um, mm -hmm. You guys got anything you want to add? Yeah, I uh, just keeping an open mind and breaking away from the way we've always done it. Recently, Amen. very recently, I saw a great motivational poster out there in the field that said, just because we're good at something, since we've always done it that way, doesn't mean it's not incredibly stupid. And I love that because it forces us to think differently, right? Uh, and, can we, can and, we quote you on that, Chief? Uh, not my quote to, okay. to be quoting someone else's, but I love it. I would, I would, uh, I would jump on top of that and uh, and say, you know, we have a quote hanging in our office that says, "The imagination is a weapon. Those who don't use it die first. And I think one of the things that um, our region leadership team has been great about is really challenging our folks to challenge the status quo, uh, to ask the why behind why we do things, especially where it doesn't make sense. Because um, so often the why is, well, that's the way it's always been done. And that's an answer that doesn't necessarily fly in region two. Just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean it has to continue to be done that way. Let's mm -hmm. be innovative, let's be imaginative. And we are so fortunate, not only in region two, but across this command, across OSI, to have really smart, engaged, energetic, and innovative people working right. in our command. We are so fortunate to have the, the bench strength that we have in terms of just um, talent in OSI. And so it's leveraging that talent, right? Tapping into it, unleashing it. Um, you know, in General Brown's words, we are giving the intent and then um, letting leaders lead with that intent and be creative and imaginative while being effective and efficient. So um, I'm so excited to see uh, where Region 2 goes as we continue to make some good trouble uh, and push the boundaries. Uh, it's exciting to see what the future holds for Region 2. Very, very well like said. Uh, now, again, for all three, before we wrap up, is there anything else that uh, any of you would like to add about being part of OSI's historic 75th anniversary observance this year? Oh, I had one thing I wanted to add real quick. Um, I think it's not, I think one thing that we really need to hammer home. It's not just about the agents of this command. It's about our sisses who we really have learned over the past few years, just how critical they are to success. It's about our administrators, 
any unit without an administrator will tell you that they are worth their weight in gold. Mm -hmm. It's about our IMAs who we absolutely could not do this job without. It's about every single person that serves in this command. Um, We are fortunate to have such a great group of people. Um, And I know at least from region two, uh, thank you to all of those people because we could not do it without you. Amen. Colonel Zabo. I I would add on there too, our, our OLA at, at Shaw, OLB at DM. I mean, no other region has like that hybrid staff operational unit like this, but we could absolutely not do our jobs without them and our, our UDM and WF experts to have that global reach and logistical support that we do in region two today, totally foot stomp the, the criminal investigations and indexing experts, those CIS teammates we have and our analysts, um, you know, on staff, um, and in the in the forward, just critical to ensuring you know operational success. This is not going to change, right? It's been that way through history, and it will be their their support and expertise will be even more critical in the future um, for the the way as we change the way we fight. Well said, Colonel Lenardi. Our guests have been Region Two Commander Colonel Tara Lenardi, Vice Commander Colonel Emily Gibo, and Senior Enlisted Leader Chief Master Sergeant Jason Stambaugh. Folks, thanks again for all three of you to take the time. I uh, really appreciate uh, you sharing your uh, expertise, your your knowledge, and uh, and uh, giving us a little bit of a history lesson to boot. Of course, thanks. Thank you, thank sir. you. And thank all of you for listening, for tuning in for OSI today. I'm Wayne Amon saying. So long for now.